Welcome to Ion Franchising. Are you looking for business opportunities? Well, you are in the right place. We represent over 650 franchises and business opportunities. We will help you find your perfect franchise for free. We even have a free assessment on our website that will help us determine what the best business is for you based on your investment level, mindset, skill set, and life experiences. This is Ion Franchising, where we share our vision for your franchise future. I'm your host, Lance Growler. Each week, we will speak to fascinating folks from the world of franchising, franchisors and founders, franchise funders, and franchisees. Are you looking to find your perfect franchise? Or perhaps you are an independent business owner looking to grow and scale your business by setting up a franchise. Either way, our team can help you. Ion Franchising, where you will learn the A to Z's of franchising. Well, hello, everyone. We are back. Assisting Hands Home Care is my franchise, my guests, I should say, today. I have Lane Kofed, who is the president and CEO of Assisting Hands Home Care. And I also have Dan Durney. And Dan Durney is the Director of Franchise Development. So gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Lance. Well, I am so happy both of you are here and we're gonna, we're gonna dive in. You know, We have a, a great audience that's looking to understand not only franchising, but also looking to understand, in this case, assisting hands home care in the home care industry. So let's start off with how you guys got to where you are. So. Uh, Lane, why don't you start? Give us your uh, sort of backstory on how you became the president and CEO of a franchise organization, especially Assisting Hands. So my background, uh, master's accounting, uh, Pricewaterhouse, uh, then into systems consulting. And I did that for about 12 years. And then uh, these uh, three farmers in Idaho started a a home care company. This almost and sounds like a joke, Lane. <laughs> they, uh, you know, one of them was a CPA and, and his parents needed help. They looked for professional competent care and they couldn't find it. So they started their own company. And uh, 20 years after I had graduated from high school and been gone, uh, they contacted me and said, we need your help in, in running this company. And I came in as chief operations officer um, and uh, quickly we worked through the financials, got everything in the black, uh, paid off all our debt, and um, I became the CEO after that. So when they invited you to a uh, home care franchise business, obviously you're a bright guy, finance background, Price Waterhouse. What were you really thinking? What the heck is a home care franchise? Yeah. I don't yeah, actually, actually, I really got it because um, my dad had been through 10 years of cancer. And we watched him receive care from a variety of sources. It all made sense to me. I knew the senior care industry was going to be huge in the future. Uh, uh, you know, you look at the you know the tech stock boom. You look at the housing boom. Well, the senior care boom is just as real, but it's actually demographic driven, which is better. It's not you know paper money. And so I just knew there was a lot of opportunity in the senior care world and I'd seen the care. So when they came to me with this, I didn't know there was senior care franchise, but I knew that it was a great industry. What did you know at that time about the franchise industry? Yeah. I, you know, you think of it as the Jiffy Lubes and the McDonald's and, and mostly restaurants and didn't know that there were so many uh, great brands, 300 plus 
types of franchise companies and healthcare, home care is just one of those. Absolutely. Uh, it's amazing how many great franchises are out there. Awesome. Great story. Dan, how about you? Well, I had an uh, eight, 17 year career in IT and enterprise networking, traveled around a lot with that opportunity. Uh, someone asked me to help them start a business that did uh, franchise representation. So I knew nothing about franchising other than, you know, eating at uh, franchise restaurants and I uh, helped him get that started. He was teaching me the franchise business and about a year and a half in on a part-time basis, my franchise income equaled my full-time IT income. And so I decided to make the switch. Uh, and I was involved in the launch of uh, some uh, well-known brands in the US, uh, including Assisting Hands. I was on board even before Lane was with Assisting Hands, getting it started, franchise. And then the company I was with that did that, I left uh, there, went and did some other development, started my own company and uh, very blessed to come back two years ago now to Assisting Hands, very mature company we're in uh, 24 states, uh, soon to be uh, 26, I think, coming up. And uh, good, just a good footprint, but 13 years of solid experience uh, and a great culture. Amazing. It's such a fabulous story. So gentlemen, why don't we start off with telling the audience, telling our listeners really what home care is all about. Some people call it home health care. There's a medical component to it. And some brands, there's non-medical or just companion care and others. So uh, who wants right. to start with that? <laughs> right, I can start that. So home care, basically we care for people in their residence and that can be a nursing home, an assisted living facility, uh, but generally it's in their own home. And 85% of seniors statistically want to remain in their own home. And I think people know that intuitively. But there's reasons for that. Their health is preserved, especially in cases of dementia. Uh, their health deteriorates rapidly if they're taken out of that environment where they raise their kids and where they know. Uh, and in general, their health is preserved in their own homes. So we go into their own homes and we care for them in a way that they can maintain their in independence and their dignity and their health. And, um, and then if they are in a facility, we can add companion care personal care, but the, the difference between home care, home health care, and hospice is home care is generally more companion personal care, which is what we do. Uh, home health care is generally nurses that come into your home, and hospice is generally 90 days at the end of your life. Right. And the reason why this industry made sense to me is because we helped my dad through all this with 10 years of cancer and and saw all these uh, all the care that he received, and it made sense uh, that there's different varieties of care. Uh, the yes. healthcare industry is is very niche. It's very companion, personal care oriented. We can wake people up in the morning, feed them breakfast, uh, spend a little time with them, make a lunch, and leave for the day. Come back in the evening, make them dinner, spend time with them, do some light housekeeping, and put them to bed. And it's a very supplemental care to what the family also wants, which is they want to visit grandma and uh, see them on the weekends and those things, they can't do all the other care. And exactly. It's such an amazing service. I remember, I'm getting pretty old myself. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was probably 10 and I'm going to be 55. I remember when my grandfather, we took my grandfather in our house to take care of him. And, we did the best we could and we had nurses, 
but there really wasn't companion care, if you will, in those days. And, you know, unfortunately, grandpa had made enough money and, you know, my folks had some money. So they were just doing whatever they could to hold on. But, you know, what do you think they ended up doing? They put him in a nursing home. I don't know. I think in the old days, that was the catchphrase, right? Nursing home. Right. And it was an expensive nursing home. He had his own room and he had great food and what have you, but not everybody really can afford that. And of course, where would anybody want? And he had, he had dementia. Where, where does everybody want to be? Everybody wants to be at home. That's the whole theme here. Right. Right. And that really came into play, especially last year during uh, COVID as well, where there were family members who were in assisted living facilities and the families could not go visit them. So in some scenarios, they pulled them out, brought them home, but needed help at home to care for them as Lane was discussing. And in other scenarios where they need to stay in the facilities, but now they couldn't go visit them. So we were able to provide caregivers in for companionship and those kinds of services. So it's it's just real. Our caregivers are considered essential. Essentially. And so we were able to go into the nursing homes, assisted uh, living facilities and care for people in there that their family couldn't get to. So obviously the caregivers are, are crucial that, you know, the team or the staff at any franchise is, is very important. Of course, they're the backbone of this. So especially these days where there are staffing shortages, you know, what are the, what are some of the creative things that you guys are doing to help franchisees with, you know, their staffing needs. I'm sure there's a system for that. Well, there's a little bit of secret sauce in there, but uh, Uh (laughs) everybody paying attention. There are secrets. We're dropping bombs here. So in general, I think if you create an environment where people want to work, people that do our caregivers are tend to be more nurturing type of folks. And if you make them feel connected in an environment where unlike a restaurant where everybody's working together in the same place and they build that camaraderie, for the most part, the services are offered in silos of different locations. And so the task uh, at hand for the franchisee is to build that same family culture, regardless of whether the caregivers are working together or all separately and that make them feel wanted and appreciated. And so when they do special things like filling a short shift or an extra shift that they weren't planning on or working overnight and they get some gas cards or different things like that, um, recruiting their friends is a really good way to find good, similar caregiver uh, attributes, et cetera, things like that. But I think ultimately being part of the family and making them feel wanted and appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, You hit, you hit on something, you know, I have owned quite a few restaurant franchises and getting your team engaged to find new team members is always so important because as you just mentioned family, you know, so your best employees obviously want to work with the best people, right? Right. Right. (laughs) Let them help find them. (laughs) Yeah. and, And consider, you know, flipping burgers, versus sitting with an elderly person and asking about their life and their experiences. Um, It's people that really enjoy that. And there are a lot of uh, nurturing type people, the heart for the business that just love being around the elderly. They love hearing their stories. They love caring for people. And so we, we recruit for that purpose to find those people with that heart. That's great, Lane. Thank you. So, when it comes to, you have all these listeners wondering, you know, is, is home care right for me? Assisting hands sounds interesting. 
Let's talk about the investment. Let's talk about the type of individuals that you're looking for. Obviously, we can already guess you're looking for somebody that has that empathy, that enjoys right. having conversations with people that have lived a great life that you're acting as a companion for. But yeah, share what you guys uh, share some of that. Let's start with the investment and uh, so go from there. So from the investment standpoint, we our investment uh, is between eighty and one hundred fifty-two thousand, approximately. We're looking for folks with about a hundred thousand dollars liquid, three hundred k net worth, and can cover their personal expenses for twelve months while they're ramping up the business. So from an investment standpoint, on an ongoing basis, it's a fairly low overhead type of thing. This is office based; it's not home based. But you have a small office, seven to nine hundred square feet. Um, you can start out with a small number of employees, uh, typically three, including the owner, and then your caregivers, who are also, by the way, employees, not ten ninety nine contractors. Gotcha. So they are um, employees. They are employees, and so they're licensed, bonded, insured, and helps us set ourselves apart from that standpoint as well. But they're paid when they're providing care. And so it's in, in essence, it's a low, it's a fairly low investment range in perspective of all other things, especially restaurants, which could be, you know, north of a million, $2 million to put together. And Dan, I was know. just going to say that Dan and Lane um, in the restaurant world or the franchise world, I should say, there are so many misconceptions because people think you have to be a millionaire uh, right. to own a franchise. And the fact right. of the matter yeah. is that might be McDonald's and some of the bigger restaurant brands that are very, it's a big investment. However, there are so many franchise brands available for under $200,000, including you guys. Yeah. And one thing that's really nice uh, in our space is that it's scalable. Uh, you can start with a very, uh, you don't have to build expensive buildings. You don't have to have inventory. You basically Absolutely. start with a small office and it doesn't have to be an expensive retail space. Uh, you start with a few employees and then you grow from there and you grow uh, with your caregivers and your clients. And then you add more office staff and you buy it, you lease a bigger office space, but you very much can start small and grow big. And then the, the growth is fairly unlimited there. The growth is uh, not hindered by demographics or where your retail space is, or if you're on the right corner, it's pretty open growth at the top end as you keep building. So as far as who you're, if you were going to look at, if you guys want to talk amongst yourselves without me, you know, your top 10% or 15% of franchisees, what were they doing prior to, to you? <laughs> well, let's see. We have someone that was at Honey Baked Hams, some respiratory therapists, uh, insurance, is uh, pretty predominant. Folks attorneys. like uh, Lane at Attorneys, Price Waterhouse, and some other consulting companies. Yeah, we have uh, we have a uh, one of our top franchisees is an attorney. He was wow. tired of fighting the, the legal battles every day. He's tired of the contention, and he loves old people. And he said, "I love to drive him around and take him to bingo games." And and it's a very different lifestyle, but he does really well in this industry. It's so also a very the, different kind of attorney too. So yeah, I love it. CPAs <laughs> and uh, old Deloitte and Touche. We got uh, KPMG guys and, and Price Waterhouse guys. We've got a lot of great business people that want to do something good in their communities. Yeah. They want so, to be involved in the care of others. It's extraordinary. So that means that the majority of your franchisees, especially the best ones have no healthcare background whatsoever. 
a couple of nurses here and there and a social worker, but for the most part, none that I can think of off the top of my head were actually in this particular business. Right. right. But they've all had some connection to it. And Pretty amazing, which is always a testament, you know, so again, another misconception, people think you have to have experience. Well, the experience talk to that. I mean, what are the, what are the skills or the skill set that Dan, you and you and Lane get very impressed with when you see a certain skill set? I mean, what is that? Yeah, we call it the heart for the business. We want people that have the heart for the business, the desire to care for people that do something good in their community and add to that good business skills. And, and that's, that would describe almost every one of our franchise owners. Yeah. Uh, they have good business skills. They have good people skills and they want to do something good in their communities and they have the heart for the business, the compassion, the desire to care for others. I and love for it. sure, mar marketing and uh, sales, if you will, but being out there, just getting the word out in the community, those are strong skill sets that help as well. But we tell people do what they do best and hire the rest. You can't be doing everything. So basically people that come from corporate America need to recognize that they need to leverage the skills that they have, not necessarily the industry that they were in. They yes. leverage the skills that they have. They can apply it to other businesses where the culture is a good fit. And that, that's how it works. I love that. Very it simple. is always about leveraging your skills. And like you said, hire the people, the things you don't like doing, hire those people. Right. The things you're not good at, hire those people, right? Yeah. Well, for, for instance, our two founders, one's a, a PhD in healthcare management. She loved to be out in the community. Uh, she had lots of referral network. And then our other one was a CPA and he was really good at the back office stuff. So the CPA hired a marketer and the, and our founder, uh, doctor, she hired a back office person. So I love it, it works great if you wear a hat and place other hats on other people. That's awesome. So we talked a little bit about the top performers and what do they look like and where they come from. So, you know, in the franchise world, I've explained this to many clients over the years that look in every franchise brand, whether it's McDonald's or fast signs or assisting hands, we, we hope it never happens, but there's, there are people that maybe aren't as good. They're not the top performers. How does that happen and why does that happen? And, and what do you do to avoid that? We had a guy here once for Discovery Day. Uh, he kind of said that he didn't care about old people. He just wanted to make a lot of money. And we turned him down. Uh, we said, that's not what we're all about. If you go out to serve people and to care for them in a way that helps them maintain their independence and their dignity and their health, business side will come along just great. In it for the wrong reasons, you're going to struggle in this business. And I heard through the grapevine that he went to another company, was bankrupt in a year and a half. He just didn't have his priorities straight. But we love people that come here and say, you know, I've had this experience with my parents. It drew me to this industry. Uh, I want to see the loved ones of other people cared for in a way that, you know, the, the family themselves would care for them. And boy, they're the perfect fit for this industry. And sometimes those experiences were negative. And it's drawn them even closer to wanting to do it the right way, uh, as Lane mentioned, to positively impact uh, people. So it's not always everybody's had a great experience in the uh, in the right. home care space. Right, right. No, that and that totally makes sense. Well, that's that's good stuff. So when we were talking about Lane, you mentioned something earlier. We were talking about you mentioned scaling. A great, you know, assisting hands is a great concept to grow and scale. 
Gentlemen, talk a little bit about the model. I know you do single unit. I know you can do multi-unit, but you have something pretty special that a lot of other home care brands don't necessarily offer, correct? Correct. Yes, we offer um, an area represent. Oh, sorry, Lane. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Okay, so this is my expertise here. So we, uh, we offer no, you're, an- you're both excited for obvious reasons, like I am. <laughs> yeah. uh, we offer an area representative model, which is kind of like a little bit of a version of a master franchise, if you will. It's for someone who has more inclination to be a coach and a mentor and a support type of person in addition to business development. So, for example, a single unit territory might be a couple hundred thousand people and 25,000 seniors. Uh, people can get multiple territories that are adjacent to that as well and, and have that kind of business. But someone that gets an area rep might have a territory of, say, three and a half to six million population. They'll open one unit, but then they would recruit and then coach and mentor and provide the local level support. It's really, it's an overlay of additional support on top of our national support. So huge benefit for the franchisees who have someone with a vested interest in their success because they're sharing in the franchise fees and the royalties along with the franchisor and uh, assisting hands commitment to that business model has been nothing but uh, solid since the very beginning. It's been a huge reason for our success. And I wanted to add to that, Dan, that's exactly what our, you know, what our model is, the area representative model. But the other thing, you know, other CEOs, other companies ask me, why would you give away so much? Why do you give so much away in sharing the royalties and the franchise fees with, with others? And the answer is uh, because it gives our franchisees a greater uh, rate of success. They have two layers of support. Uh, we don't mind sharing the wealth. Our, our area representatives are, are growing wealthy with us. We don't mind that at all. I love Why it. not share the wealth with everybody and help everybody grow and give the franchisees more tools, more opportunity, more success through dual layered support. What was I that one uh, thing Lane, you were told uh, as counsel, uh, somebody gave you some wisdom and advice about when you're starting to run the company. Don't be greedy. Yeah. Don't be greedy and uh, help everybody be successful, help everybody grow wealthy and, and you'll succeed. And, and that was great advice. Well, now I know the history behind the area development uh, opportunity, and it's, it is special. And uh, if you can get it, and uh, that's fantastic. So I love it. There was also a story going back to what we were talking about before, Dan, we were talking about franchising. Is franchising, in your infinite wisdom, Mr. Durney, you know, uh, on the <laughs> development side, talking to so many different prospective franchisees, is franchising truly for everyone? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, And why is that? (laughs) Because some people are afflicted with the NIH syndrome, which stands for not invented here. If they didn't think of the idea, it can't possibly work. So I remember uh, I had a franchise uh, consultant broker years ago uh, call me up uh, when I was uh, representing a barbecue concept. And he says, I have a great person for you for your barbecue concept in Tallahassee. But the client has one question. How close to the menu does he have to stick? (laughs) I'm like, what? He said, oh, and by the way, he's a chef. I said, I don't even want to talk to him unless he wants to franchise his own restaurant later on. So it just, uh, you have to be uh, willing to follow a system. And and many times people out of corporate America and military, we just added three new veterans last year to our family, can follow a system. And yet 
we have a lot of flexibility for franchisees. We do not micromanage their business. We believe very much uh, in the analogy of guardrails versus train tracks uh, and allowing a franchisee to access and use the tools and technology that we have, but yet structure the business the way they see fit in their local market. Yeah. Uh, what I always tell everybody is uh, when the system works well, franchisees like to copy and absorb each other's best practices. Everybody starts to understand who the top performers are in any franchise brand. I could say that because I've been right. part of several franchise brands in the past. And, you know, you look at McDonald's and uh, the filet of fish and the Big Mac, if I remember correctly, were both invented by franchisees that, mm-hmm. that sent that information off to corporate for them to, you know, do the R and D and come up with the recipe and the food cost and the marketing and say, you know, this, I think this will work. Right. And we actually work really hard to enhance that. We have meetings with all our franchise owners where we have somebody present something that's working really well for them. Everybody else gets to ask questions, but that's the power of franchising. Um, You know, you're taking something that's been very successful and you're replicating it and you're sharing your secrets and your ideas and the things that you've learned through your experience. And, you know, if you try to start your own business, uh, the success rates are statistically very small. In franchising, it's just the opposite. The success rates are very high. And that's because people are sharing their ideas, they're sharing the knowledge of the industry, they're sharing their tools. And if you start a business on your own, everybody that knows anything about that industry is your competitor, and they're not gonna tell you how to run your business. That's the power of franchising. It's uh, sharing great ideas and great knowledge uh, that's already known in an industry and giving others the advantage of using those ideas. So you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Right. That's so overused. That is so overused. I know it's overused, but it's so apropos. So apropos. (laughs) You guys are great to talk to because boy, we're getting lots of good information. Let me, let me ask Dan and Lane, can you describe your, the process that a prospective franchisee would go through. Let's say a broker like myself refers somebody to you. We set you up with an introductory, set them up with you to set up the first call. I love to call it the first call or what I call the coffee date. If you drink coffee. (laughs) And so Dan, why don't you uh, describe that or Dan or Elaine? Dan. So, yeah, well, that's what I do. So, so the first uh, call will basically cover three things. The first is their why, why senior care. Uh, And again, it's known that they come from a consultant. They're looking at multiple industries. Typically, very rarely is someone zeroed in on senior care and looking at different brands. They're usually looking at senior care and signs and tutoring and pets and whatever. Uh, so we want to find out sometimes it's even a crazier mix of mix than that, which tells me they're kind of all over the place. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so we talk with them about what's their why for senior care and get a understanding of their background and what brought them to the place, even just to be looking at a new business, let alone senior care in particular. Then the second part is we'll walk through what it is, what it looks like to run an agency at a high level. We're not trying to reproduce training, um, but we'll talk about the three departments of uh, sales and marketing, accounting, and uh, internal HR or internal ops HR, um, the staffing, the territory, the investment. We talk a little bit about our history and our family culture and the onboarding process when they become a franchisee. And then I'll tell them, assuming at the end of that portion, if I haven't scared them off, then we'll talk about the process. (laughs) And so the process is very similar. 
across most franchises because we're all regulated by the FTC, but it's, we go through the initial call that what we call the qualification. Uh, we have five steps. Normally there's four. We have a fifth one. It's in the middle. So the qualification, then the disclosure, and we send them disclosure document. I also do a preview call. If someone's never read an FDD and I just walk them through about 20 minutes, just walk through the table of contents and explain, and that will help them if they're looking at other brands as well to make it easier to wade through that. Well, document. You're, you're very helpful. A lot of my brands, other brands, uh, you know, will say, Call Lance. He'll he'll describe what an FDD is. <laughs> Franchise disclosure document that thick. That thick, two hundred pages of legalese. Paid someone's Porsche payment. Anyway, don't get me started on the attorney side there. So, and uh, uh, so, but anyway, we'll go through the FDD and get those questions answered. What's really fortunate about this brand is we have a very straightforward FDD. We do not nickel and dime, and I've had people who are looking at different brands and different industries come back to sometimes a review them in parallel and they say, did I miss something in your FDD? Cause there's a whole bunch more fees in these other ones. I nope, you did not. We're very right. straightforward. So I like to get that out of the way and make sure there's no deal killers and they understand, you know, what we're uh, uh, working from, from a legal standpoint. Then the third step is where we have uh, what we refer to as a day in the life call or an operations call. And that is to walk through the state specific requirements because this is in some states, not all states, it is a regulated industry. So there's states that have credentialing and licensing uh, and need to know what the staff needs to have uh, if they're doing scheduling and doing home assessments and the caregivers and all that. So we walk through it and it's about a half hour call to state specific. Then at that point, they're ready for the next step, which is validation. And validation in general is where a franchise candidate who's been talking to a franchise development person, reading the FDD, now gets a chance to validate that information that they're being given with franchisees who are known as disinterested third parties. They don't have any stake in the game as right. to whether they come aboard and they can ask them questions like, how long did it take you to get cash flow positive? Did you have any unexpected expenses? My favorite question is, would you do it again? I was just going to say, would you do it again? <laughs> That's the best question. Why did you choose this particular brand? And so I'll actually, after the operations call, I'll actually send them an email with some sample questions that they can ask. And so in our process, they'll set up appointments via email with the franchisees and our franchisees are very kind. They're very generous with their time should ask for 15, 20 minutes. Ours almost always go an hour uh, just because the franchisees validate very well. They love assisting hands and we've won several franchisee satisfaction awards. So those are some of our most uh, gratifying things to see. So anyway, by the time someone goes through, which with, with through this process with whatever franchise, they should be about 90% convinced that they are ready to move forward, that they can picture themselves doing the business. They can align themselves with franchisees that they've talked to. So in some cases they can say, this is going to sound a little funny. I talked to that guy, if he could do it, and I surely can do it. <laughs> and um, I won't pick anybody yeah, out of that uh, thing, but anyway. Uh, and so then they're ready to go to the fifth step, which uh, virtually every franchise has called discovery day. Some call it meet the team day or meet the family or whatever, or some people call it sign the line day or whatever. We don't do that. In fact, my process is more of a tour guide than the push because I hate pushy salespeople. So I'm, I'm just more taking someone through a mutual right. discovery, learning about each other. Um, but our discovery day is very unique because it may involve riding a horse, mm -hmm. uh, Lane and his family. I was family. just going to say, you're, you, 
aren't you leading a horse to water? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Lane, uh, uh, Lane and his family live on a working ranch north of uh, Nampa, Idaho, which is in the Boise area, which is just big enough to have a suburb because it has an airport. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, in fact, if you look over Lane's left shoulder, but on the right, you'll see a massive spur. And uh, but anyway, so our French uh, franchise candidates come in the day before Discovery Day. We have dinner at the uh, ranch. We get a chance to saddle up uh, and ride around the property. Uh, one of Lane's son, sons is a uh, nationally ranked roper, and he's 15. Wow! Um, so they have a full roping arena and like 10 horses and an alpaca named Napoleon and goats and the whole nine. <laughs> and but it's really about that first night is really about just getting to know each other on a personal level. And I will tell candidates in all candor, they will make a gut level decision that night, just in talking about kids and grandparents and vacations and pretty much non-business uh, that evening. The next day is the discovery day at the office where they get a chance to meet the rest of the national team and go through a presentation. We do a call in from our marketing director, et cetera. We'll have some lunch and uh, we wrap around uh, three. So, but we very much believe in in-person discovery days. We did a couple of virtual ones, but uh, we're very much about the in-person discovery days. The other thing I'll mention just briefly is at the top of the conversation, I'll ask people if they've ever heard of the 80-20 rule and the Pareto principle. Pareto. And most people in sales have heard of that. You know, 8% of your sales come from 20% of your clients. And you have to be careful you don't get that too upside down. In franchising, for the franchisor, the 80-20 rule is 80% of the headaches come from 20% of the franchisees they never should have let into the system in the first place. So after the discovery day, the national team gets together and says, okay, are these candidates part of the 80% or the 20%? <laughs> And if they're part of the 8%, they're sent an approval letter, and then the onboarding process starts once they become franchisees. So it's very much, a, like I say, it's just a mutual discovery thing. No hard pressure closing kind of activities go on. We're just not down for that. Absolutely. That was a great explanation. And all the detail that the listeners certainly need, especially for those folks that have never heard anything about this. Lane, any tidbits to add on, on that? We're going to wrap up on that note. So uh, final Words of wisdom and advice from both of you gentlemen. Culture is huge. And when I came to this company, I saw a great management team. I saw great, uh, you know, these three farmers from Idaho. They're the salt of the earth, fair-minded and, and honest people. And this doctor from Phoenix, uh, our other founder, uh, sophisticated, intelligent, uh, just the kind of person that, that really was a pioneer in this industry, helped bring the professionalism to the industry. And so what, you know, what we've tried to enhance is great technology and a great culture and uh, a place where people want to be a family, part of a, a family, a working culture family where everybody helps each other, everybody cares about each other. And that's really what Assisting Hands has become. So exciting. I'm so happy for you and your success and just love hearing about it again. <laughs> it's fantastic. Dan, any final words of wisdom from you? Well, I kind of waxed long there on the uh, validate or the process part. No, it was but, uh, great. I would just echo Lane's. Uh, it's always been exciting for me to bring good people into a good culture and make a good fit. 
uh, and it's rewarding for yourself. You've done that uh, as well. And so I just really enjoy that relationship with people that go through the process and they, they discover for themselves, whether it is for them or it isn't for them. And either way is fine. We just want to make sure that it's a good fit because going forward, it's going to be a great ride. Either way, they are correct. It either is or it is not. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and if I tried to throw a little horse joke in there about a great ride, but that just <laughs> did not go. So even if you're afraid of horses, assisting hands, yes. home care could be for you. Don't let that scare you away. <laughs> no, yeah. You can get out of your comfort zone and you can be taught how to ride a horse. It'll be fine. <laughs> so Dan and Lane, thank you so much for joining me today. I'll see you sometime in the future. I am sure. Thanks, Lance. Appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening today. Please like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss anything here at Ion Franchising. Visit our website at ionfranchising.com, E-Y-E-O-N, franchising.com, and complete our free assessment so we can assist you in finding your perfect franchise. This is Lance Gralick. Until next time.